Hey, this is Trey Gowdy. Please subscribe to my new podcast right now. Here's a preview of what's to come every Tuesday starting May 5th. guys, this is Trey Gowdy in South Carolina. This is my new podcast. I hope you will consider spending part of your Tuesdays with Trey. There are scores of topics and subjects I wish we could talk about this week. In a different year, this would be one of the most exciting times for sports, which is something I love. College baseball would be in full swing. The NFL draft would be behind that. Major League Baseball Just recently, two of my favorite coaches in all of sport were recognized. Dawn Staley, who's the head coach of the University of South Carolina women's basketball team, was named the coach of the year by nearly every group that gives out that award. And Kim Mulkey, who is the coach of the Baylor Bears women's basketball team, was admitted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. There would be some interesting political and cultural topics to address. Pfizer reauthorization is supremely important. Inspector General Michael Horowitz and his most recent interim report, their confirmation hearings coming up. There's a general election this fall. Our country will elect not only a president, but an entire House of Representatives and one-third of the United States Senate. You know, my last conversation with Coach Mulkey, which was about a week ago, was not about Baylor basketball. It wasn't about the Final Four in New Orleans and her efforts to win another national championship. It was about the pandemic that our country is in the midst of battling. And my phone calls to men and women in politics are not about legislation or hearings or elections. Those calls are about the health and well-being of their families. Death, disease, suffering, loss, pain, fear, all of those have a very clarifying effect on how we view life and how we choose to live life. This COVID-19 pandemic and what it has done to our country has put, at least for me, the rest of life in a different perspective. It's helped me gain a renewed focus on what is important. It's another vivid reminder in the event we needed one of the primacy of life, the fundamentality of life, the fact that everything else springs from that thing we call Life. We see morbidity rates in the hundreds of thousands. We see mortality rates in staggering numbers. But we know that those are not just merely numbers. Life cannot be summarized with a number. Every single life lost impacts countless others. This virus is highly transmittable, but so too is the pain of loss. That is even more highly transmittable. For every death, there is an exponential impact that no modeling system can ever capture. Early on in this pandemic, I spent my mornings reading news articles, and then I would watch Governor Cuomo and his briefings, and then the White House briefing with the president and the vice president. And while I'm keenly interested in our government's response, I was mainly interested in hearing from Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci. I guess when you grow up with a doctor in the house, you kind of wait on the doctors to tell you about disease processes and therapies and treatments and what we can reasonably expect. And then after my wife would go to sleep at night, I would stay up and watch 
Ozark and Narcos on Netflix. It was a pretty depressing existence for a while. Bad news in the morning, waiting for a dash of hope in the afternoon, and then I would spend my nights hoping that a money launderer for a drug cartel could survive another episode and partner with a homicidal teenager in the Netflix miniseries Ozark. I contrast that with what my wife does during the day. She wakes up and prays for the first grade school children that she can no longer see on a daily basis. She sits at the kitchen table waiting on parents or students to call and ask for help. She checks in with my parents and others that we know to see if she can do anything to help them. And then she writes notes and cards to others to offer some bit of happiness and hope in the midst of something that no one's ever gone through before. She might sit down for a minute at night and watch the Hallmark Channel, but that's about it in terms of her television watching. I'm sure she wants to know what's going on, but more than knowledge, she just wants to help others with what is going on. So my existence was inward looking and her existence was outward looking. We're going through something unprecedented as a country. People are getting sick. People are dying. Lives and families are being impacted in ways in which they will not soon recover, if at all. There are devastating economic consequences. Our fellow citizens are losing their jobs, their savings, losing their retirements. There's uncertainty. There's doubt. There's fear. I know nothing about epidemiology or vaccine studies. I do know a little something about fear. I've wrestled with it at different stages of life, and it's a powerful enemy. When I was a kid, I was fearful that my parents would abandon me. I don't know why. I have no idea why. They're wonderful people. But fear isn't always rational, is it? My dad still jokes about what I would do as a child. We would go to Kmart as a family, and as soon as I wandered off or could no longer see my mom or dad, I would go up front and tell someone that I was lost, and they would page my parents on the loudspeaker. Would the parents of Trey Gowdy please come to the front of the store? My mom would come running. My dad would come walking. But there I was, waiting on them because I thought they'd left me. Completely irrational, but completely real. It was a persistent fear. I repeatedly did it. Same one for church. I cried when they dropped me off at Sunday school because I didn't think they would come back. Same with real school. My older sister would walk me to class. And then the last thing she would say to me at ele in elementary school, she would come back and say, I'm going to come back and get you at the end of the day. There's nothing to be afraid of. Again, it's completely irrational. But to me, as a kid, it was completely real. And then I went through a stage where I feared being kidnapped. I have no idea why. It, it wasn't rational. My parents are not members of a drug cartel. We did not live near any drug cartels. We lived in a normal neighborhood in Spartanburg, South Carolina, where there weren't any kidnappings. But that was what I was afraid of. And then I went through a stage where I was afraid of the dark. And my mom had to change the curtains in my room because I saw wolves on them. They were actually flowers, but I saw wolves. It's miserable going through life being afraid. But fear isn't always rational. And even with fears that are rational, we cannot guard against every single contingency. So I decided I was going to do something. 
about it. Maybe I could not fight off wolves, kidnappers, or being abandoned, but I could fight the fear. I could fight the fear by focusing on numbers, and I could fight the fear by focusing on others. I have three sisters, one older and two younger, and the one who is older is less than a year older. So we're essentially peers. And she was going off to a summer camp, and I could hear her crying in her bedroom, which was right beside mine. The camp was an outdoor camp, and she had just read a book on Ted Bundy and thought that he was going to escape prison and come to that church camp. I sat in her room, and we reasoned through her fears, and we separated what was rational from what was irrational, and we separated the possibilities from the probabilities. And we came up with a worst-case scenario plan, but we accepted that we weren't ever going to need that worst-case scenario plan. It is almost impossible to be afraid when you are trying to give comfort and peace to others. It's almost impossible to be afraid when you focus on the probabilities and stop focusing on the possibilities. Some fears are rational, some fears are irrational. The challenge is to navigate between the two and have plans to address both. To think through the fear, to reason through the fear, to accept the numbers, and to always pick the probabilities over the possibilities. And then as you get older in life, you learn to export that fear through your faith or through your friends. But mainly, I learned to export the fear through the facts. I would reason through it by playing the probabilities over the possibilities. I used to fly all the time. And once we emerge on the other side of this, I'm sure that work will have me flying a lot again. Fear of flying is really a fear of dying. We don't fear the airlines not offering our preferred version of sparkling water, and we don't fear a talkative seatmate. We fear that we are going to die in a plane crash. And yes, it's possible. It's just not probable. In fact, it's very, very unlikely. So I'll focus on the probabilities. I'm going to prepare for the probabilities. I'll always be mindful, I suppose, of the possibilities but almost anything is possible, and I'm not going to live life worrying about the 1%. My fear now is not that my folks are going to leave me at a Kmart, and I don't fear death anymore. I fear for my family. I fear this pandemic and the impact it's going to have on others. But what this pandemic has done is to help me redefine the word family It now includes neighbors that I used to only wave to early or late in the day. The word family now includes doctors and nurses that I will never meet, healthcare providers, and what they're going through right now, truck drivers, police officers, people who deliver food. If I'm going to worry, it's going to be about people with higher possibilities and probabilities than my own. There is something unifying about pain. There's something unifying about apprehension, concern, challenges. There are still those out there that want to find the negative in almost everything. Has to be a winner, has to be a loser, has to be conflict, even in a time when we need each other the most. So I've also made a pledge that at least until we're the other side of this, I'm just going to reject negativity. Negativity and fear go hand in hand, and I'm going to reject fear, so I'm going to reject negativity. I concluded the way I beat fear the fear of my youth was to starve it. 
I conquered my own fear of something bad happening the night I spent talking to my sister about why nothing bad would happen to her. The cure to, being, to beating fear is to starve it. And the way to starve fear is to focus on others. My wife isn't fearful because she's always thinking about other people. She forgets to lock the doors. She doesn't know the alarm code for our house. She couldn't find a gun if you paid her a finder's fee, and then she wouldn't know how to use it if she did find it. She spends her time thinking about others and doing for others. The only two things I know that she is afraid of are bugs and that our cable provider will drop the Hallmark Channel. Other than that, she is one of the most courageous people you will ever meet. She's tiny. She won't win a physical fight with anyone. But she wins the fight against the most powerful opponents of all, fear, darkness, and negativity. This is going to be a tough week for our country, and so will the next one and the one after that. It may be a long time before we recognize the country we used to live in. Maybe it's forever changed, or maybe a vaccine brings a new sense of normalcy. I don't know. I can't control any of that. I can control how I act and how I react. I can control whether I expose myself or others to unreasonable risk. I can control my thoughts. I can spend a disproportionate amount of time reflecting on what others are going through rather than what I'm experiencing. I can hope for wisdom for all of our government leaders, even ones that maybe I didn't pull for in the past. I can hope for therapies and treatments to come sooner than we imagined. And I can hope people put others ahead of themselves. What I've concluded is that if we want to see the light, we should try being the light. If we need some hope, maybe we should be the hope. If we want unity, maybe we should be more unifying. If we really have a disdain for negativity, we should turn it off and reject it and starve that too. Quit watching it. If we want to beat the fear, be courageous in your love for others. I'm not going to read a list of winners and losers in newspapers or political magazines until the last American is out of the last hospital. And I'm not going to assign letter grades to governors, presidents, vice presidents, or anyone else until the last American is off the last ventilator. We win when we all win. All of us. I will probably still watch Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, not because I think they're perfect, but because I trust them. And I think they do an excellent job of combining reality with some hope. And I will probably, to be completely candid with you, continue to watch Ozark. Because I hope Ruth makes it, but I'm not going to live in fear. Not again. I will respect caution and prudence, but I won't live in fear. Because if I do, then what I fear the most will win. And that is leading an inconsequential, self-centered life. That's what I really fear the most right now. I live in a state where the motto is, while I breathe, I hope. It was on the state seal above the judge's bench in every courtroom I ever appeared in. And I never paid one bit of attention to it until now. While I breathe, I hope. It reminds me of that verse you hear at almost every wedding. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. We should love our neighbors and define the word neighbor as broadly as we possibly can. We should have faith the future will be brighter. And we should enlist hope to defeat the enemy of fear. If you're struggling with fear, fight it by providing comfort to others. Fight it by playing the probabilities over the possibilities. 
but mainly if you're struggling with fear, you gotta fight it with hope. You take care of yourself until next Tuesday. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.